out-of-home plus data clean rooms, probably not the first pairing that comes to mind. But going beyond that, you know, when you look at the attributes and the value that our channel offers and the cross-channel use cases that data clean rooms are being employed for today, um, there, there really is a value unlock. Hello and welcome back to Identity Architects, the InfoSum podcast that spotlights the pioneers in the media industry who are changing the way that data is used to power better customer experiences. I'm your host, Ben Chiketti, and for this episode, InfoSun's VP of Product Marketing, Devin de Blasio, sat down with Wade Rifkin, EVP GM Programmatic at Clear Channel Outdoor to discuss out of home, programmatic, data clean rooms, first party data, and much, much more. Before we jump into that conversation, just a reminder to hit that subscribe button so you know when the latest episodes of Identity Architects land. But without any further delay, here's Devin's chat with Wade. Hello, welcome Wade Rifkin to the show. Really glad to have you on today. Uh, I just want to make sure everyone is aware of who you are and why you're on this podcast with, with myself, uh, Devin de Blasio at InfoSum. So Wade, just want to give us a, a quick overview of who you are and kind of what your role is at Clear Channel Outdoor. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me, Devin. Um, so Wade Rifkin, uh, I'm the GM of Programmatic for Clear Channel Outdoor here in the US. So. I'm responsible for our set of real-time biddable solutions that we use to transact uh, as effectively the publisher across our digital out-of-home inventory formats. And I look after all things related to our, our product set as well as our go-to-market. Fantastic. Uh, what we normally like to do on, on, the, on the show is just before we get into the thick of all things uh, ad tech and martech, just want to do a couple icebreakers so we can kind of get to know each other, so the audience can get to know, know you, and just so we can start flowing into the conversation. So real quick, rapid fire questions up front, Beatles or Stones, Beatles or Stones? Grew up listening to both uh, as a kid, but I would say the Beatles. The Beatles. Okay. Interesting. I just feel like you, you know yeah. a lot about a person on based on which one they choose. Uh, no judgment on either. I'm a Stones guy uh, myself, um, but I think it's mostly because I, I play drums. And for some reason, I don't know, Ringo... I love him as a drummer, but it never really got me as a young drummer. So anyway, <laughs> my dad was a drummer and he was able to look past Ringo's drumming and just was more of a, an aficionado for, for the Beatles. As I got older, I actually appreciate his style more and more. It's actually it takes a lot to play less, which is funny. I don't know if that was his intent or skill, but <laughs> it, it was working out for so far. And, you know, yeah. Um, to take it to the kind of the, the world that we're in right now, what was your actual first job in advertising? Do you remember that or when that was? I do. Um, I won't cite the year, but uh, <laughs> I started off on the on the buy side. Uh, so I worked at Zenith Media um, in comms planning. So you know, I was basically touching all channels um, except digital at that point. Um, but then I you know quickly uh, gained some interest in the digital space and pivoted more uh, into digital planning and buying exclusively, and then kept burrowing in and landed in the, uh, the world of, of programmatic and, and ad tech that we're in. That's interesting. So uh, how long do you think in terms of your career, were you on the buy side versus the sell side? At this point, it's actually about 50-50. Um, okay. So a nice split. And I, I've developed an appreciation for our space from both vantage points um, and have enjoyed uh, both sides of it, but uh, gotcha. definitely like being on the, the publisher side. It's, it's a nice That's fair. Yes. I've actually never been on either side. I've always been right in the middle in terms of being on the vendor side. So, uh, yeah. but it's interesting you had like a pretty well-rounded uh, history thus far. Um, so obviously we're here uh, 
talking on an InfoSum podcast and it wouldn't be anything about InfoSum unless we were talking about privacy and data security. So on a scale of one to, let's say, tinfoil hat, um, where is your paranoia in terms of your own privacy, family's privacy and data security for yourself? And then just in general, kind of what is your your kind of your outlook on, on data privacy? I'd say I'm a four to a five there, like definitely not totally flip about it, but, um, you know, not staying up at night worrying about who's who's looking uh, into my profile or who's using my data in an unsanctioned way. But I think what comes with that is just making sure that, um, you know, I'm aware, my family's aware of what we're opting into, what the use case is for the data. And this is going to be very marketing-esque of me, but like, what's the value exchange, right? Like, are we <laughs> giving it away for no real reciprocation or is there something actually valid in, you know, the automation or um, some kind of personalization or, or what have your offers that we're getting through it? Yeah, I find people in this, in, in our space, usually fall somewhere in the middle. We, we know too much, right? We know how things work and it, that either makes you not scared really because you know really what's happening and how the sausage is made or makes you yeah. somewhat concerned, right? So I feel like I find people on, on both sides of that fence. Um, yeah, I through the industry type, find myself, you know, allowing more apps to use my, uh, my IDFAs than I probably would if I worked outside of the industry, but trying to fly that flag and, and do my part. No, no, I, I do the same thing. I don't have ad blockers or anything. Like, yeah, let's, 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 I actually want to see what type of performance the ads provide. Like how good yeah. can this experience actually be? That's a, that's a very nerdy thing for me to do, but Hey, why not? Right. Let's, let's see what these yeah. people got. Um, yeah. um, tell us a little bit about, um, clear channel outdoor for those who maybe not, uh, know it well, obviously if you're driving anywhere in the United States, you're going to see something, uh, related to and tied to clear channel outdoor media. Um, but just tell me a little bit more about the company itself and kind of what, what's going on there today. Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, so we're one of the, the largest and longest standing media owners uh, in the U.S. and we're a global company as well. Um, so again, think of us as a media owner or the publisher. We own or, or operate all the, the inventory that we uh, sell and transact against. Um, so my purview is in the U.S., so putting a lens on, on the states. Um, we've got tens of thousands of printed and digital roadside displays across formats like billboards, bus shelters, urban panels. Um, we also offer inventory in certain transit hubs uh, across the U.S., think you know, Boston South Station and printed and digital signage in there. Um, we've got marquee uh, printed and digital assets in Times Square and Midtown Manhattan. Um, so we're one of the largest media owners offering those types of screens and then airports. So for anyone that's gone through JFK, LaGuardia, Newark, Chicago, O'Hare, SFO, Atlanta, Hartsfield, Jackson, um, you know, we, we operate the inventory there and we've got a really, really robust and, and market leading footprint of inventory. Um, so you know, I mentioned printed and digital a couple of times. My team really focuses in on our digital out of home inventory and um, it's all about transacting um, in the omni-channel programmatic ecosystem um, through real-time biddable mechanics. Um, right. And, you know, we sell via private marketplace. We're the first digital out-of-home media owner here in the U.S. to sell through PMP and the Open RTV protocol seven years ago, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, so, you know, we've integrated with SSPs. We partner with them and the DSPs that buyers are using to buy our inventory and, again, in RTV fashion. Um, right. So think... Desk, DV360, Yahoo, as well as a whole host of great out-of-home DSP partners. Um, and we're working with 
different types of buyers across the ecosystem on the agency and advertiser side. Um, and the last bit that's important and I think germane to our conversation is we have a, a data-driven solution that we call Radar. Um, mm -hmm. So that's something that we built out uh, seven years ago in order to offer up the kinds of audience targeting and planning capabilities and attribution that folks you know, have been expecting that are table stakes right. across the industry. So we marry up mobile device movement data with our out-of-home inventory footprint. We're able to understand how devices move past our inventory. Once we know that, we can determine exposure and use that to do things like audience targeting, um, attribution across KPIs through the funnel, um, and even sync uh, our data with the, the data sets that our, our customers and partners offer up. In terms of the the migration from let's say print to to digital, uh, how do, how rapidly do you think that is make turning around that corner? Like, what what do you think the, the the percentage of inventory that CCO has in terms of digital versus print? And I'm I'm assuming digital is growing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean it's a single digit percentage, but the the number of units does not really um, represent the reach of that. Of so it's an outside yeah. kind of from the units that we end up acquiring or digitizing. Um, so substantial reach, despite the, the volume count being less than the tens of thousands of uh, printed assets that we offer. Um, and you're right, there is a steady march to digitize. And you know that is an imperative for us, as well as basically every other major out-of-home media company. So every year, you know, we're, we're trying to beef up that digital footprint. But um, the printed footprint isn't going away anytime soon. There are some advertisers that really, really love the printed format and rightly so. Um, and it complements what we can do through digital really, really nicely. Yeah. Now you're just adding the digital signal into it through radar. And now you're just adding more insight, more intelligence, more measurability, I'm assuming as well, because, uh, you know, without a home being, like you said, one of the longest standing forms of advertising that has existed, um, it's, it's really been about an awareness play. Right. Mm -hmm. It's been about time, place, you know, you know, where, where, you know, where you are at that particular time where this particular billboard is placed like an airport where there's high foot traffic. And now advertisers can just take that exact same reach and exposure and just tie that to something a little closer to home in terms of applying their first party data um, to that signal and then driving a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, having a little bit more control in terms of what, what they're actually seeing on the other side of the uh, of the performance report. Yep, that's exactly right. And, you know, we, we make sure to reinforce to our buy side partners that Radar has an agnostic approach. It doesn't matter whether you're working with us on a direct buy or a programmatic buy or you're buying digital or, or printed units. Radar right. can be wrapped across everything. And even for the printed units, you know, we like to say that we're bringing a very digitally centric uh, planning approach or measurement approach to units that are you know executed with a creative that's not digital, but um, it's you know, very holistic. Even playing off of each other, I'm assuming the combination of digital and print kind of together, I think, is also an interesting way that advertisers can can really kind yeah. of uh, figure out uh, a unique tactic for themselves to, to get in front of the, the right customers. Yep, um, absolutely. What do you think is, is currently missing, though? Is there anything on the horizon in terms of uh, the evolution of out of home that you've seen being so close to it? Uh, that's just not here yet, but but we're getting there. Um. Well, I mean, I would say there's more that has happened over the last few years um, than a lot of people understand or, or give credit to. Um, so, and you know, I'm clearly biased towards programmatic because of my my time spent there and our emphasis there. But um, you know, 
there are still conversations that we have with buyers thinking that real-time biddable transaction is coming down the pike for digital out of home. Um, and we happily let them know that, you know, it's been in place for years. And while there will still continue to be iterations and evolutions within, you know, our space, um, there's a lot that can be done today in terms of, you know, buying in an omni-channel capacity through a DSP, in terms of what uh, we're doing from a measurement space and a, um, an audience targeting uh, perspective. Um, so there's a lot that people assume may not be doable or is in its infancy that's actually a lot more mature in, in out of home. And in terms of, uh, I mean, obviously we're here to bring you on to the show today to talk about our partnership as well. Obviously having an integration with Clear Channel of Home being one of the first or not the first uh, to jump into the clean room space in the out of home market. So we just want to thank you for being the, the thought leaders and kind of pioneers into that space. I have always thought that as a perfect marriage between the two. Um, and I'm just curious in terms of your purview, since you focus really mean on RTB and programmatic, how has your essentially your leap into the clean room data collaboration space, how has that impacted what you're seeing on the programmatic side in terms of volumes, in terms of interest? I'm just curious there. Yeah, I mean, it's still early days for us, right? But we echo the the excitement that you have or, and the broader team has. Um, you know, we are the first to to market in terms of an out-of-home media owner that's leveraging clean room partnerships. Um, and with clean rooms, Having you know been around for for some time, but still being one of the the newer types of platforms and three letter acronyms that um, exist in our space, plus the fact that out of home again, as I mentioned, is is newer to folks through the the lens of programmatic buying, data driven activation and attribution. The the marriage of the two is is absolutely novel, right? So um, that. Novelty is, and it's it's clearly not just faux novelty. It's you know um, real groundbreaking opportunity. But that's breaking the door open um, with certain advertisers and, and buyers that um, want to learn more. They want to understand how data collaboration can happen on a channel that it hasn't historically been able to, or um, not in the privacy centric way, or through the workflow that that they wanted it to. So um, it's been great to get some of that feedback and validation on the approach. And again, just start to um, help advertisers figure out how to extend and amplify their use of data through our channel. Something I've noticed over really my somewhat short at this period of time in the purely like first party data world is that it seems like what was old is now new again, right? I think there's a lot of opportunities that people are unlocking with being able to have direct relationships between buyers and sellers using more impactful data in a safer way and we're unlocking things like incremental reach is now something that people are leaning into again because it just it's a simple and easy way to actually measure, measure performance. We're seeing a lot more direct IOs as well as RTB coming coming into the market between uh, the publishers and the advertisers. And I just feel like out of home is the perfect example of something that has been around for for a very long time but has renewed um, acceleration and renewed interest, and it's a perfect testing ground for a new technology like data clean rooms to essentially marry those two together, as we said. So I think it's it's a really exciting opportunity and a really, it should be an opportunity for everyone to jump into that market and start spending more money in out of home, spending more money in digital out of home and using your first party data. Cause there's, there really is nothing to lose. You're just gonna get higher performance at the end. Yeah, I mean, totally agree. We talk a lot about audiences just in terms of the reach that our channel can provide. And we've got a whole host of, 
third-party research and syndicated tools that demonstrate um, how strong out of homes reaches a channel um, yep. has been and how it's not suffering from you know the reach erosion that some other traditional media channels are suffering from and will continue to as they're projected uh, over time. Um, and now by being able to kind of trade in first party data and, and collaborate in first party data, we're able to prove that out in a in a even more meaningful way for certain advertisers that actually want to take, you know, planning data um, and, you know, overlap analyses and actually action on it through um, buys across channels. So that's that's certainly exciting. Do you find there's a specific set of verticals or types of clients that you see spending more time, energy, and dollars in the out-of-home space? I'm, I've always been curious about that. If you, if you find a trend there, or a specific type of client or a specific type of, of B2C organization um, that's really leading the way. It's actually a pretty diverse group of verticals that, um, I mean, out-of-home can apply to. So, you know, you've got stalwarts, and think the the apples, McDonald's, Geico's of the world that have Coca Cola, you know, that have been using out of home for decades to build and maintain their their brand, their share, drive uh, down funnel um, to help their other channels convert more effectively. Um, but you've also got an infusion of new verticals and brands. So like pharma is one that has started to glom on to mm. uh, out of home in general more so especially as some of the traditional channels that they really relied on aren't quite providing the same degree of, of reach and value. Um, D2C has actually been a very big category for our channel. Um, so startups can use out of home and punch above their weight, right? Much like Apple did many, many yeah. years ago. Um, and what I think is, is interesting, especially as somebody who came from the digital space, some of the biggest tech companies and players who sell digital advertising really have adopted out of home. So Google, Amazon, um, I mean, again, Apple is becoming a powerhouse kind of quietly in that space. Um, right. They really rely on out of home to reach uh, and speak to their customers. So it just goes to show the, the value that we could bring in concert with digitally kind of native channels. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Like that's that's kind of the rule, it seems like. And especially for top of funnel engagement, you can't really go wrong. And you all the names you mentioned are just the kings and queens of that the top of funnel, like, you know, huge awareness play um, that they've been so successful yep. in doing. Um, in terms of the actual, like talking about top of funnel, bottom of funnel, you know, the, the, all that kind of stuff in terms of the ad tech world, um, how are you seeing clients actually measure the success uh, of out of home? Like what, what, are, what are those types of KPIs that you're delivering to your clients and have those KPIs changed with the rise of, of digital and programmatic? Uh, so it's a great question. One that we, we love to answer with the, you know, rich capabilities that, that we've got through radar. Um, yep. You know, out of home historically, as you mentioned earlier, has been thought of at the very top of the funnel. Reach play, you know, awareness play, absolutely do that well. Um, and there have been mechanisms to measure some of those things, um, you know, going back a while. But um, we started there with our radar capability set, doing brand lift surveys to mm -hmm. validate that awareness lift or look at consideration, intent to purchase, et cetera. Um, we also rolled store visitation in as one of the early on KPIs. I mean, that metric was having a heyday due to mobile. Um, and we know that our channel plays an important 
role in the physical world and we're really, really good at getting consumers in store. So, uh, you know, we quickly deployed that measurement capability and we've proven uh, that out time and time again, that we are effective at getting customers into specific retailers or, or specific brick and mortars. Um, but I think what's most interesting and exciting is what you wouldn't expect is looking from the mid funnel on down. Um, mm -hmm. And that could be online engagement. So how does out of home actually drive a consumer to a site or a mobile app? Um, and then going further down the funnel into sales lift, um, whether that's CPG offline sales or auto sales or pharma script lift. Um, and while we don't purport to be a DR, you know, CPA type medium, that's not where we excel. We do know that we don't just drive top of the funnel awareness. We, we do influence the purchase decision and we're able to now demonstrate that across a host of KPIs. And we've found some advertisers come back to us with great results that showed how we helped grow the bottom of the funnel and help uh, provide an assist for some of their other channels and tactics to convert more effectively and efficiently. Yeah, that's, that's great to hear. I mean, it's, it's clearly that out of home has been that steady hand uh, in the omni-channel, you know, influence uh, for for many of these advertisers, as it's still obviously a huge portion of that omni-channel spend and strategy. Um, I want to dig a little bit deeper into our partnership uh, through uh, through the recent announcements that we've made uh, in terms of Clearshot Out Outdoor being uh, a, a partner of Infosom uh, within our data clean room. Um, what what do you see yeah. as that vision or that kind of the objective uh, for you and the organization in terms of uh, leveraging clean rooms. Uh, we find that uh, many times on the sell side, uh, those organizations leverage data cleanroom technology to build net new solutions or drive net newer incremental value for their business, for their data. I'm assuming that's very similar to what out of, uh, you know, Clear Channel is doing, but I just, I'm just curious if your perspective, as you look at the cleanroom market, you, you obviously are vested in this, uh, in this partnership. What are you expecting out of it? I mean, pretty simply, we want to help uh, enable advertisers to use their first party data more broadly and an even in an even more integrated fashion, right? So, you know, it's no surprise to anyone that first party data is, you know, the, the meaningful direction for, um, for data application that the industry is focused on. So we are certainly trying to, um, to swim with the tide, uh, on that one. And, um, so essentially what we're trying to do is make sure we can meet our customers and our buyers where they are. Um, and data clean rooms are um, a key arena for that type of privacy centric data collaboration, first party data uh, enrichment or uh, activation that you know buyers are choosing to use. So we now can play in that space. Um, and that's really uh, what we hope to do. The specific use cases there will vary based on the advertiser, based on the verticals, and we you know, touched on a few, um, but having the flexibility um, and the kind of safety of the environment that the data clean room affords, um, you know, we're excited to be able to do that with an increasing number of test partners as, uh, as our relationship with, with you uh, progresses. Yeah, something I always like to talk about in the cleaner space is, is kind of uh, in uh, I, 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 this is going to go down a weird path potentially, but I, I find the the concept of data clean rooms and data collaboration almost romantic in, in the in the in this in the state that advertisers and publishers can now actually like get rid of a lot of the middlemen and and just focus on building campaigns 
looking at the shared uh, you know, overlap of their customers and working together to actually build a better experience. And I find that out of home is even taking it to the next level because you're not only doing it in the digital world with, you know, with this digital data, you're bringing the physical world into the aspect of, of collaboration as well. So depending on where those billboards are being placed next to a specific, you said an, an airport location or specific retail locations or sporting event locations, like you can really take the physical world and all that brings to the table, marrying it with what this advertiser wants to essentially, the message they want to deliver to their customers who are in that physical world. And then the, on the publisher on, on that end, what they know about that physical space at that point in time or over a, a period of time, I just think it's really interesting in terms of creating something really net new and, and just thinking more dynamically about how you can use not only data that you have in your CRM, but the data that lives kind of around these physical, uh, uh, you know, uh, ad units, essentially. Um, yeah, there's not really a question in there, but I just find that to be very uh, romantic. I don't know how else to put it. No, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, that's actually touching on an area that we, we haven't um, hit on yet, which is yeah. dynamic creative, right? Um, and that has been an integral um, offering as part of our digital out of home footprint uh, and solution set for some time. But I think as the rise of you know first party data uh, has indicated there's opportunity for creative to be uh, applied uh, or have data applied to creative as one of the use cases. So um, that is definitely an offshoot uh, of you know, what we're doing with you all and what we're looking to do with advertisers um, to um, apply data to the media, apply it to the measurement and also, you know, apply it where it makes sense from a creative assembly or, or versioning perspective to be aware of the audiences as well as the context. Like you Yeah. I mean, people always have the argument of whether, you know, it's creative versus media, which matters. I, I always say both, but I think an out of home creative extremely, it matters the most, I feel like because of the, the advancements that we've seen, even just walking down, you know, uh, any British New York times seeing, the, the really, really amazing and cutting edge uh, out of home experiences that have been developed. I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, since you're cl so close to it, you live and breathe it all day. Like, do you see any ma major winners in this space in terms of advertisers getting out of home really right? You don't have to name them by name, but I'm just curious, like, has anything caught your, your eye literally or figuratively um, during your time at Clear Channel that you think other advertisers should be, really be looking at as, as an example? Uh, I mean, some advertisers have definitely done things right over time. And you know, I mentioned some of the stalwarts um, yeah. uh, from earlier. So there are absolutely folks that have tested their way into the space years ago and then really like cemented and continued to refine the approach for how they buy uh, the specific markets or locations that they favor and how fixed versus dynamic they are uh, in the different rotation or placement there. The creative piece that you mentioned is um, one of the things that brands who are successful in out of home have learned how to do well. Um, yeah. And, you know, creative can be overlooked and that is always a mistake. And we advise our clients to make sure that, um, that even though it's a, a relatively simple asset to build out um, right. and for a roadside inventory, we're talking, you know, static imagery, you need yeah. to put the right thought uh, and and um, punch to the message delivery, adhere to best practices, you know, have the right rotation and, and frequency against that creative for it to be truly effective. So, um, you know, the, the media, the 
in terms of the weight and the location and the targeting, plus right. the creative are really where the, the yeah. kind of magic happens for out of home. Do you see out of home as uh, as cookieless inventory? I mean, I feel like that's the, the hot topic people have been talking about. Well, hot to hot topic meaning they've been talking about it for multiple years now because it's you know <laughs> that just seems to be the way that that the the cookie somewhat somewhat crumbles or doesn't crumble. But obviously, as we look ahead at 2024, there's going to be more cookie loss. But that doesn't that's never impacted the out of home world. You've always been a cookie free, uh, you know, media asset. Um, do you find that advertisers or really media agencies are looking at out of home inventory as that new new area of of cookie lists that they can start investing more in? Has it? I'm just curious what how that's impacted the out of home, if if at all. It's one of those things where uh, at an earlier stage it was viewed as a, a challenge point, the absence yeah. of ease or identifiers on every single uh ad. Laughing now, right? <laughs> right. Well, and now it's it's one of the benefits in that, you know, we have less to do, I'll say, than some other publishers in terms of, you know, preparing for the, the cookie list future. Um, right. we do have a panel of of devices that you know we work to um, to license from partners who are you know privacy uh, compliant and vetted by our team. Um, but you know that's not necessarily well, those are mobile ad IDs today, um, mm -hmm. and we want to make sure that you know we're being respectful to the end consumer um, when, and when we're developing use cases. Um, but um, those are, are still integral to what we're doing from a targeting and measurement perspective. So signal loss in the broader ecosystem is something we're being cognizant of, um, right. but thankfully the power of uh, context is something that we specialize in that won't go away regardless of you know how uh, device IDs or any other signals kind of bounce up and down with regulation and availability. And of course, that. yeah, and, and out of home is not a one-to-one uh, you know, methodology for, for delivering a message to someone, right? It's a one-to-many. That's the whole point. Um, and I think, obviously, the creep factor is non-existent, obviously, and out of home because you're able to do that in the right way and just honing in on those specific groups of individuals who may be passing through, that's really the, the main name of the goal. And that's where the data-driven uh, portion of what we are seeing now grow and grow and grow in the out-of-home space, that's what it's meant to do is take from the many and maybe not the few, but really focus on the relevancy yeah. of, of the many. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Um, I mean, the one-to-many use case is uh, just fundamental to our channel. That's not going to change, at least for roadside billboards and a lot of the placements that reach a, a very scalable audience. Um, and so we have a you know subset of that audience that we're able to um, profile or, or measure uh, tribute success to, um, but that's okay, right? We've got a methodology to do that. Again, we're, we're leveraging data in a privacy compliant way. Um, and we found that advertisers just appreciate the fact that we've moved the ball forward on, yeah. again, the target and the attribution components, and we're able to help them understand how to more effectively you know, plan, buy, uh, and optimize their, their out-of-home accordingly. Yeah, and even from where I sit in my perspective, the ball is already headed towards the the one to many or one to few. It's going far away from the one to one. I just feel like advertisers have realized that one to one may never have actually existed unless you're doing something like a retargeting or or yeah. you know talking to existing customers through email. But for 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 paid advertising in, in in the digital or the physical world, 
that's where I see advertisers and agencies really spending their time, energy, and, and money is focusing on, on how to actually influence a larger subset of the population in a more effective, uh, more efficient way. And that's really where we are today. And that's why first party data is becoming so popular, not only because of the loss of the cookie, and it's what we're left with, it's because it's just a way better signal of actually identifying, you know, the, the, the things about people that make them want to buy a product or buy a service or go into a store or feel something about a particular advertiser. And you don't need to have name, address, phone number, email necessarily to do that for an individual, but you can use the broader scope of the attributes that these people share to deliver that. I mean, I'm essentially just saying, explaining how digital adver advertising works from an audience perspective, but I just find that that's, you, out of home is already where, from my perspective, agencies and advertisers are headed in terms of what they think is a great experience and a great execution for their audience. Mm -hmm. And it's just not one-to-one -one anymore. Right. Well, and you know, that was kind of the, the viewpoint that the industry had on how out of home can start to complement, you know, what is, what has been done in digital for some time now um, mm -hmm. that resonated before first party data had a conduit to flow into out of home, again, whether printed or digital, but now with the fact that there's an audience extension capability for first party data that's viable, um, you know, we can lend touch points to those first party audiences and help find them out in the wild, quite literally yeah, out in the physical world in a way that helps build reach and frequency against those audiences that um, will be supplementary and complementary to what's being done in CTV uh, and, you know, uh, desktop display, mobile display, et cetera. So that promise or that opportunity is is absolutely resonating. And that's again what you know we can do more readily and in a collaborative way through you know great uh, DCR partner solutions like yours. Do you see like the the types of signals or the number of signals that out of home is able to to leverage? Is that growing or changing in any way? Obviously we mentioned maids um, and obviously from from my experience working with you in your organization, I know there's additional uh, you know, attributes that you're starting to, to utilize to drive more relevancy um, in, in, with the actual creative itself. Um, I'm just curious, are there any other signals that you are looking at or that you think will start to come into the out-of-home space? We're pretty signal-rich today, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. Um, and those signals come in a variety of forms. So we've talked a lot about audiences and, you know, device identifiers that power what, what we can do today through, through radar and what sits in uh, the data clean room. Um, but we also have geo proximity to different POIs right. or you know, advertiser retailer locations. Um, the context uh, of the immediate screens, uh, time of day, day of week, um, those all have different use cases, um, but they're all meaningful and there are, are combinations of those different variables that are applied today. And that spans direct and programmatic, it spans media and creative. Um, but what's exciting for me and in, in my corner of, of the world with programmatic out of home is the decisioning capability and set of use cases that are unlocked um, by DSPs that can go even a step further and start to prioritize those geo signals or the specific time of day or, or day of week that it is at that moment in time in order to shift how they're bidding, how they're buying and heavy up accordingly or optimize accordingly. So, um, you know, that's really core to the value prop of programmatic overall and, and certainly specific to programmatic out of home. So that, that's 
It's also interesting to see that, again, what we talked about earlier, what's old is new, is that, you know, DCO or Dynamic Creative has really never left the out-of-home space. I actually cut my teeth in the DCO world back in the day. That's how I started my career um, in, the, in the DCO world. And it's funny because we were starting to use first-party signals then. This was like 2008, right? Um, when Rich Media was just starting to get developed and then adding a bunch of other signal to that. That was really the foray into data-driven advertising. And then focusing on time of day, day of week, weather, you know, the, again, the physical world has a lot of additional signal that you can use that you wouldn't think of normally for a display ad or, you know, an email ad or something like that, that you can use to, to drive a lot more influence or, or creativity. I, I always found that just the fact that the, the physical aspect of it is, is outside and you can use things like, again, it sounds simple, but weather, I always found that to be uh, I don't know. I, I found it like slightly exhilarating that you can just, you can actually use the physical world. I keep getting fixated on that, but it's just, um, I really find that to be, no, uh, no, no. yeah. I think that's, a, that's a great call out. Um, and, and that definitely falls into the context. Um, and there are a whole host of, of other things pertaining to that could be traffic around yeah. some of the screen at that moment in time. Weather is, is a great example. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, that's been, a core capability we've had in, on the dynamic creative side of things for a while, really meaningful one that different uh, CPG or over-the-counter, you know, medication advertisers or different yeah. uh, auto parts retailers or what have you have, have leveraged. Now, from a programmatic perspective, we're even able to go a little further than uh, updating the creative based on the weather. Advertisers can decision, you know, whether they want to buy an out-of-home ad based on the seven-day forecast in that right. market or on what the weather is at that moment in time in that, you know, even down to the zip code level in some cases. Even just thinking about this and kind of extrapolating, it seems like like there's also an opportunity to reimagine what we think first party data is, right? And I think people think first party data, they think name, address, phone number, email, all these identifiers that make me me, right? And for what we've found working with advertisers is that's actually the least important thing about first party data. That just tells you who the individual is and that allows you to, to attach a lot of other rich signal and attributes, mm -hmm. behavior characteristics. But even thinking about again, out of home, literally like where you are looking at that, that advertisement, what the weather's like outside, what's around that space, that's first party data to me. That person's experiencing something in that moment and it essentially can be reflected or called back to you by the actual um, the unit that you're, you're next to, you know, in front of, behind, whatever. Um, and I think it's just a new way to think about first party data. It doesn't always have to be like such detailed information about your identity. It's just, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? You know, what are you seeing in that moment that's unique to you and the people around you that can be reflected back at you in this particular way and advertisers sending a message to you. Um, so I think having the technology being able to capture that, like you said, like weather or, uh, UV index or, you know, pollen counts, these types of things, even for just weather, um, it, it's it's really just creating a really interesting piece of hardware um, that that has a really great message that's being delivered from the signal that hardware is creating. Right. Yeah. And we actually broaden the scope when we talk about like different audiences um, and segments that we can activate. You know, we tend to default to first party because there's so much uh, chatter around that, so much emphasis on that, but second party and third party segments are absolutely things that we can not only collaborate on through data clean rooms, but use to uh, plan 
and buy against our, our inventory. And we definitely see use cases um, where advertisers are prioritizing a specific second or third party segment um, over, they may not have a huge repository of first party data, or they may need to supplement that with third party data or even do some Boolean statements where it's some first plus third party data or what have you. So um, I think you're right to, to kind of, um, to open up the aperture, if you will, on the way that we're thinking about which data can be applied, where, and, and why. All right, and that's exactly the opportunity that cleanrooms and data collaboration brings to the table is that not every, no one has all the data that they need or all the insight that they need to deliver or what they need to deliver on. They need to work with other, other businesses, other organizations. Um, who know something about a shared customer. Ever, so I think it's like, we're, that's why I like collaboration in terms of using first party data or second party data is because you're all there who, with the same interest because you all have a shared customer in many, in many ways, whether it's someone who's coming into a store, walking down the street, actually purchasing those solutions or that product. It's a shared effort where you're actually working together to deliver an experience for a shared customer or consumer. So it's not only one advertiser is delivering a message that's impacting their customer base. That advertiser has worked with uh, the media agency, the publishers, other data providers, potentially even other advertisers to deliver a message that resonates not only for their brand, but for all of the other uh, parties that have been involved in that, in that, in that collaboration. Um, so it really just unlocks all of the opportunity for gaining access to really, really interesting insights and really rich attributes that you wouldn't normally have access to before if you only relied on your own data or only relied on like pre-canned, you know, third-party data, you wouldn't really have uh, the, the dynamic nature of, of the campaigns that we're starting to see uh, in the data collaboration space. Yeah, and, and, you know, that circles back to when we we're talking about the novelty of out-of-home plus data clean rooms, you know, we are providing some thought starters and we have clearly a pedigree and some history in applying data to the out-of-home channel, um, but we really try hard not to get prescriptive and we want to right. get feedback from um, our, our uh, DSP partners or agency buy partners or you know advertiser partners on what is meaningful to them, right? Because I'm sure there are a whole host of use cases that we haven't even thought of um, and you know, as importantly, we want to make sure we're defining to what their needs are and what's resonant um, and valuable for them versus us, you know, talking about the things that we've done to date. Yeah. With any new technology, any new approach, the people who are bringing that to the table have to play those consultants, right? We do that all the time because the cleaner space is so new. It's like, well, we're not just going to say you can do everything you want to do. That doesn't really go very far. You have to give them some level of strategic insight or a head start so they can kind of get the creative juices flowing and start thinking about how to use this. And the best example is just like what's worked in the past, right? And, and providing those case studies, providing those examples um, is really a great way to get these organizations started and thinking differently. And that's what the whole point is, is that we have to keep getting marketers to think differently every three to five years because the technology changes yep. that quickly, consumers change that quickly, the level of signal is either increasing or decreasing, privacy regulation changes on a similar clip. And I think we, we find that it's that's the hardest part is getting marketers to just take this step forward and think differently and get them to follow uh, a non-prescriptive plan um, because it, it may work. It's just testing and learning, I think is really the is really the key that that has to always be present in, in a marketer's mind. And the more that they're open to that, the more they're, going to, they're obviously leaning into and be finding success in things like digital out of home, clean room usage, or you know data collaboration, using their first party data more, 
Um, it just unlocks a lot more doors versus shutting them. You're preaching to the choir on yeah. that. I mean, and that's one of the, the things that we're trying to, to reinforce, you know, gently, but also firmly um, about the, the notion of, of thinking differently is, you know, we get out of home plus data clean rooms, probably not the first pairing that comes to mind, but um, going beyond that, you know, when you look at the attributes and the value that our channel offers and right. the cross channel use cases that data clean rooms are being employed for today, um, there, there really is a value unlock. Um, but what that value unlock is, is going to depend on who the advertiser is, you know, what vertical they're in, the unique challenges that they're, they're trying to face. So um, that's where, and I, I like your, your point on, you know, needing to be a consultant. We are here to provide counsel, to provide thought starters, and um, as cliched as it is, to collaborate on the ideation as well as collaborating on the actual um, data transfer and, and enrichment piece as well. Of course. Um, do you have any predictions? Again, this is kind of a, 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 kind of a softball question that, that we like to just ask in terms of what is three to five years, five to 10 years? I'm just curious, like, what is your prediction if, if you have one of where the space is headed, both cleaner and collaboration, but also out of home, digital out of home? Um, it's a fair question. You know, I, I won't purport to be smart or prescient enough to say what things will look like, especially um, even five to 10 years down the line. But um, in my mind, there's no question that some of the topics that we're touching on here around data collaboration, around um, privacy, you know, those aren't going away. They're going to increase right. in importance. And it is, you know, critical that we're being cognizant of the, the end user, um, the data that they're offering up and, and how we can respectfully but still meaningfully uh, apply that data to improve the ad experience for the advertiser and, and for the the user or the consumer, um, you know, I, I do think um, we're going to be seeing a lot more in terms of just how probabilistic and um, algorithmic based applications of data can supplement where we're at more deterministic signals. Um, right. And well, that is probably a, a bit of a, a no brainer across channels. I do think that's going to apply to our channel as well. So I think you know, there are going to be ways to use some of the contextual signals that we were talking about, whether yep. it's weather or um, other things that are happening in the, the immediate vicinity uh, of a particular out-of-home unit to more effectively buy against that and to uh, improve the creative experience and then ultimately to, to measure against it. So I, I'm excited about that. Um, that's going to be one of the things to, to keep an eye on, one of the things that my team will be focused on, um, but you know, certainly going to yep. play a role. Over the next stretch of time, the next couple of questions I have is really just focusing on what I call like the yin and yang of the ad tech industry. The fact that technology is always changing, which is an opportunity, right? But it's also a, sometimes a headache in terms of you know what you have to keep your your eye on, how often you have to be strategizing, how often you have to keep moving that ball forward. So I'm just curious, like, what do you today from your from your line of work that you're doing, like, what keeps you up at night in terms of, you know, the the not so great stuff, but also what keeps you inspired and in coming to work every day? It's a bit of a double edged sword, um, and it's you know the the capabilities that exist today, everything we've been talking about with um, you know using first party, second party, third party audiences to plan and buy out of home, the attribution capabilities through the funnel. Um, and of course the ability to transact in a truly programmatic fashion, like that excites me. Um, but the lack of 
awareness or understanding on that for certain um, segments across our, our industry, that is the challenge, right? Like is just making sure that we can break through all the topics and all the things that marketers and agencies need to have, you know, an understanding of that we carve out enough time to make sure that, that there's awareness of what we can do today and the way that we can better integrate into the omni-channel media and, and measurement mix. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, of course. Um, as we kind of look to, to wrap up our discussion, uh, this podcast is all about the individuals like yourselves, like yourself, who has pioneered new ways to use data to deliver better customer experiences. So when you look at the people you've kind of worked with over your career, uh, is there anyone that you admire in the industry who'd like to nominate us to interview next that you think would be a really good candidate? Absolutely. So one thing I didn't touch on in my history, I did have a, a stopover between the agency side and Clear Channel at a data company called Share This. Um, so mm -hmm. I would definitely give a, a shout out to Andy Wilson, who's over there. Um, I worked with her from the other side of the desk when I was on the agency side. Um, and then we worked together at Share This. Um, she's just a veteran in the data space and a generally lovely individual uh, from our industry. So I would... Uh, I would give her a, a shout out on all that. Yeah, I would definitely be happy to do that. Um, and then I guess, you know, is there anything that we didn't cover anything uh, that you want to address with, with our listenership? I'm just curious, is there anything that in the, in, the, in the wide world of things that we did discuss today in the topics, is there anything that we didn't touch upon you'd like to? This feels pretty comprehensive to me. Um, so I, I would just extract you know, a couple of the, the themes um, and, you know, out of home is here. It's a, a part of the omni-channel ecosystem. Yeah. And I like what you said again about like the opportunities that are surprising um, or unexpected, but could be real and meaningful. Um, and I, you know, again, I'm biased, but I feel like out of home uh, can play a role in driving impact and the outcomes that advertisers are looking for. And now that can all be facilitated through um, data clean rooms and, and through our partnership. So I think that's great. And I also like what you, you mentioned, and we, we've touched on around a test forward mentality or an experimental mentality. Um, we all know the last few years have been challenging with COVID and the macro environment. And, you know, we've seen a lot of emphasis on the, um, the bottom of the funnel um, and really hardcore, you know, performance activity. Um, but there are meaningful ways to supplement that and for other channels, not just out of home, um, that might be thought of a little further up the funnel to assist um, in that, you know, down funnel pursuit or that performance pursuit. So just keeping an open mind and thinking about ways to, um, to meaningfully test uh, your way into that. I think that that's just a, a great mentality to have for an advertiser, for an agency buyer. Well, on that note, Wade Rifkin, EVP GM, Programmatic at Clear China Outdoor. Thank you so much for your participation uh, in the Identity Architects podcast. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. Um, I know I'll be speaking with you more as we work together uh, with this partnership, but uh, I really appreciate the time uh, that you gave us today. This is a great time. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks again to Wade for joining us on Identity Architects. That was an awesome conversation. It was great to dive into the world of out of home and how it's evolved in the data-driven world. All that leaves for me to do is to remind you to hit that subscribe button so you know when the next episode of Identity Architects lands. But until then, thanks for listening.